Good morning. Oh, let me tell you, <laughs> it is so different um, not being together physically. There's a yearning going on. Someone sent me a fantastic Facebook post the other day of, of some comedian running down the aisles, ecstatic, sweating, uh, it, it, just high-fiving everyone. I, I really can't tell you how true that is. We, we know, listen, I don't know where you are right now, what's going on in your heart, but this season it not only will pass, but it will pass in God's timing, and we'll be get back together again. But that doesn't mean that we can't enjoy delight in this place that we're in, in this process that we're in. We have such an opportunity. I've, I've been more encouraged. I, I, I would list, and I, I, won't, I won't share them here, but I'll be sharing them in independent texts and emails. The people that have been so encouraging me, we've, we've had church members in the hospital that have been letting the staff know and praying for you or participating in small groups. What, what a witness to the world. We've, we've had families and children writing notes and cards and participating. I've been getting to, to just look at how parents are, are teaching their kids about Christ. And so don't get me wrong. I'm ready for this season to end, but don't miss it. That this morning, God is using this season. He is using this process. He is using this time. So, so don't miss what God has going on now because all you can do is, is can't wait for, for tomorrow. Let tomorrow be an encouragement for you to make the most of today. And, and so that's what we're talking about today is this joy in the process. Um, our family, like your family, uh, we, we've been doing different things at the house. When, when we're not working, it's yard work or cleaning the house. You know how hard it is to keep the house clean? When everybody's there all the time, yes, that's tough. That's tough. O Omar and I were talking about that the other day. He, he's, he's kind of been kicked out to the gym a little bit, from what I understand, which is the garage. You know, we, we've, we get this mess happening. And, and I want you to know, take joy in this process, even together. So what we did was Christy makes uh, homemade sourdough bread. And uh, we have been partaking of that. It's been excellent and, and warm and good. I would tell you, if you would like some, just to let us know. But I won't promise it'll get to you, but you can let us know. Uh, but we were making it the other day, and I told Christy, you know, it's amazing. The way we watch this bread rise, we don't do anything to it. We don't, we don't make the bread rise. It, it rises because of the activity and the action that's happening inside of it. Um, and, and I really started to think about you and I, and, and you and I in Christ are in the midst of his process. It's like we're the dough, and he is working in us in ways that, that we just have to respond to. And so that you could picture what I was seeing, we took a little video and time-lapsed it of how the bread that we made on, on Friday rose and, and turned into what it was. So take a look at this activity.
So here's the great news. If you're hungry, you're probably in your kitchen. Just go open the refrigerator and grab it. it was so neat watching that rise yesterday, and, and uh, it was good. Just so that you'll know how my house looks normally, uh, Ashley, in her, her time, said, hey, let's make it look kind of fun and whatnot. So we set it up. We had a great time, but it was amazing to watch that yeast just rise and rise and rise because of what was happening inside of it. And let me tell you, we enjoyed the process of watching that bread rise. Um, yesterday, Christy was, or Friday, Christy was making it up. She made some of those roll cinnamon. They're excellent and amazing. But, but we kept going over to see the difference. We were anticipating the video time lapse when each piece came out. We were watching it. When the smell filled our house, we were responding to it over and over and over. We were going back and forth. And and here's what I want you to know this morning is that's the way we should be engaging with this process that God has us going through right here and right now. That's how we should be making the most of this season of life, anticipating what's happening and what's coming. Now, don't miss what's happening for what's coming. That's what Jesus says to us in John chapter 17. So if you have your Bible, turn with me and open to John chapter 17. We'll start today in verse 13 as we get things rolling today, looking at this process. John chapter 17, verse 13. Today we'll go all the way through verse 26. If you just want to put your pinky there or your hand there or something like that. And, and let's do this together. As we, we read through this, I want you to read verse 13 with me. Okay, just let's read verse 13 together. I want you to read it out loud. Um, Let it be a testimony. If you're out back, you can read it loud enough for your neighbors to hear. It's totally fine. Verse 13 on your screen. Let's read this together. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. You see, it starts off, Jesus talks to us about this driver that we have in our process, this, this driver that comes. And so let me kind of show you what I'm talking about today. Our, our life is this process, okay? And, and if we think of it this way, we know that a process has a, has a beginning, we'll call that point A, and, and, a, and a goal, point B. What, what the Bible says is that we have a joy that comes in our process, that there's, there's something that's going on. And so we know that at the front hand side, that this joy is meaningful. Go back to verse 13. It says, but now I am coming to you that these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled themselves. So, so here's, here's two things I want to let you know. One, it's these things that Jesus spoke that we got to talk about as joy givers. Okay, so here, here's what I mean by that. It, Jesus, in the verse, first half of chapter 17, gives us this idea, this picture of us being caught up in that tornado of his relationship with God. Do you remember that from last week? That, that we are, are drawn in by this joyful relationship of father and son. And in, in being drawn in, then we get to experience our relationship with Jesus that, that in our relationship, we bear those dings, remember? Those keepers of the truth, believers in the word, remember those things? And, and then we see the, ex, uh, the, uh, excuse me, the execution of that in the relationship with the Father. 
that Jesus says, I have told you all of these things and the things I'm about to say so that you could remember them and have my joy fulfilled in you. That's the second part is, it's his joy. So he speaks these things so that we would remember and they would help us to know that it's his joy that is a driver of the process. Now, now, now catch this with me. In the middle of all of this that's going on, we need to remember. One of the favorite things, and I've shared it many times, but I'm just overwhelmed when I see it. Our children's ministry has this Flat Friends Friday, and they have pictures of cartoon characters of different leaders in our group that children are printing and cutting out, and they're doing activities with their, with their flat friend, their children's minister, or their Sunday school life group teacher. It's, it's amazing. And, and the whole point of that is so that our children will remember the faces that love them even when they can't be there together. Do you have things that remind you of good? My brother and I, we talk about this. I, I bought a, a promise ring when I was a, a young man. It just had a cross on it, just reminding me that my heart was safe for my wife. And when I got married, um, I wasn't saving myself for anyone else. And so I shared it with my, my younger brother. And we were talking about that the other day, that, that he still has it. Um, he, he's married with kids. It's no longer about that promise. It's just a reminder of God's faithfulness through the years. You see, God in his word gives us this, this picture of his faithfulness. And for us to remember it over and over and over again. Because our joy is insufficient. Our joy is lacking. Our joy is wanting. The environment attacks our joy. We wake up on the wrong side of the bed and we're not joyful. If, if our motivation to live in this process, to be driven towards the goal of God, is based on our joy, it will be dysfunctional at best, unreliable. And God doesn't want your pursuit of Him, your journey in life, he doesn't want your relationship with him to be insufficient. And so Jesus prays that it would be based upon his joy. Your process, your motivation, your driver, based on what Christ has to give. The unending, never-ending, almighty God, Prince of Peace. He's that joy driver. And so, first of all, we see that the process is driven by his joy, not mine, but it's driven towards something. Now, look in your Bible with me, and you get to see the middle of this in verse 14, 15, and 16. 14 through 16, it says this. I, will, I have given them your word, this is Jesus saying, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of the world. You see, in the middle of this, Jesus kind of lays out his, his package. This, this process has a purpose. Right? And, and, and that's important. We're not on a bridge to nowhere. We're, we're not in the middle of some unending rinse cycle that when, when you die, it just spits you out. It, we are in the midst of this process that leads us towards a purpose. And the purpose is the Lord's. The purpose belongs to him. That's what verse 14, 15, and 16 say. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of it. 
just as I am not. So I ask you not to take them out of the world, but that you keep them into the world. You see, our motivation has a reason, and Jesus' prayer comes for us in two ways. His prayer is that you and I will make it all the way, that we will, we will find the fullness of God's promise here in our purpose. But his prayer is for this process that you and I would, first of all, not be taken out of the world. Now, I want you to know that, that Jesus says that we aren't to be taken out of the world, that we're to be kept from the evil one. Now, in this, there's a reason for this. Because you and I, in the midst of this chaos, as Christians, God hasn't said to his church, man, I'm pulling you out of every hard time to show everybody that, that, that you're special. If we look at the persecuted church around the world, if we look at God's people, even Joshua and Caleb in the Old Testament, they endured the, the desert with the people of God. In all of those things, we see that as they were moving towards their purpose, we, we find out that, that they were left in the midst of it. Why? Because we as God's people, as his ambassadors, we are beacons for the world that we serve a God who is not a God of abandonment. He is a God of restoration. We do not serve a God that forsakes, but we serve a God who is leading us in deliverance. So where you are, you may be anxious at work. We have so many of our church members that are in the medical field today. I want you to know you have so many people praying for you in your church family. And you are where you are because the Lord has given you and put you there to show the world that he is a God who is faithful and of deliverance that he ran into the battle of sin so that his light, his power would overcome the darkness of the world. If you are stuck at home, if your health is being threatened, if you're concerned today, the Lord has you where you are as a believer in Jesus Christ to show the world that he is a God of deliverance, of faithfulness, not of abandonment. And in this process, that's part of the purpose, what God is working in you. And so therefore, Jesus says, Father, because of that, keep them from evil. Keep them from evil. Why is it so important? It doesn't say, it doesn't say in the midst of this that, that you and I um, are, are, are supposed to, to not be able to look upon the problems of the world. He says, keep us from the evil one. In other words, Lord, don't let them fall into the grips of sin's trap, of the enemy's traps, of temptation's trap. Why? Because when you and I slink into temptation's trap, when we fall into the enemy's hands, it is detrimental for the process. It takes away the joy in the moment. When, when we fall into depression or, or sulking, not, not because of what's going on around us, or, or what, but when we fall into depression, we fall into this, this, Lord, I'm shutting everybody out. When we fall into anger, when we fall into hate, when words fly out of our fingers on, on social media, when, when our tempers flare for no reason at those around us, when we give in to the wrong link online, it takes away from the process, from the joy of the process. It makes a car stall, an engine stutter. And so Jesus says, Lord, I know that it will be difficult for my people in this world. I know that they're going to be hated by the world, that the world and the enemy wanted to trip them. I know that. So, Lord, would you keep them from that? 
because they no longer belong to it. Their heart is with me. And Lord, the world needs to see them being different. Do you see how important it is for you and I today to allow the Lord to move and us to just submit like a, like a kite in the wind? To submit to the Lord, to submit to his word so that the enemy's traps will not overtake us and so that the world will know that they have a father, there is a God in heaven who will not abandon his children. See, that's our testimony. And in the midst of that, if we live that way with the joy of Christ in us, it changes everything. So now, now take a second because we get to do this. I, wanna, I want you to, to process this. If someone's around you, share it with them out loud. If you're on Facebook, you can put this in. A, now's a good time to comment in the midst of that. But, but here's my question. Here, it's going to show up on the screen for you. It says this. Why is it so important for you to embrace Christ's visible kingdom grounded joy today? Why is it so important for you to embrace Christ's kingdom grounded joy in your life today in the midst of this process. So take just a moment. See. Church, you may not have had enough time to have that conversation fully. And so I want you to, to continue talking about that with your family. Because right now, if you and I have Christ's kingdom grounding joy being fulfilled in ourselves in the midst of this reckless and wild world, in the midst of these difficult times, we get to be the beacon that Christ has called us to be in the process. We get to be the joy of Christ spilling out on other people. Here's how I thought of it this way. Lord, if my joy is grounded in me working hard enough to, to, to fulfill and to make God works, then I have a man-grounded works fueling a man-grounded works. And we know that my works are insufficient. And then if it yields me acting out on myself, that we know that, that it's going to fall apart. We know that man's plans are, are not enough. But then I thought, okay, what if I have a, a work that, that then is, is fueled by, or a faith that, that finds itself fueled by works. If I can just do enough good, I'll feel good about my relationship with God. If I can just work hard enough, make enough things, make enough um, masks, if I can mow my neighbor's yard enough, if I can just chalk some scriptures all over the places, if I work hard enough, then I will have a faith that God loves. That's a work-fueled faith that, that only works temporarily in this world because I feel good about it in the moment. But it doesn't end in glorifying God. The, the few things that it glorifies are me. But in the end, my joy, self, uh, 
self-grounded, fueling of faith is going to turn up short. In fact, it's going to cause damage to the kingdom. It's going to burn people. But if I have a faith given by God and a joy grounded in God, working itself out through me, and then I have a tunnel, I'm an avenue, I'm a ship, I'm a boat, I'm, I'm a kite sailing in the wind. For the world to see who the Lord is, who my fuel is, and that's how I want to play it out. You see, the process is fueled by this joy and this purpose is, is glorified. It's, it's risen up by my dependency on a Christ-centered, kingdom-grounded joy. That's what we're called to be. How do you show that to your children? How does that work? Well, here's the great thing. We have to figure it out. The Lord tells this to us. Look back in your Bible. We'll look in verse 17 now. I want you to read the first part of this with me, okay? Let's read verse 17 and I'll read the rest, okay? Again, read it out loud. This is good stuff. Here's what the Bible says. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Now, now check this out. In the midst of this, Jesus gives us two pictures of the process of what it looks like, of how this working out of our faith looks in God's plan and his purpose. The first part is this word sanctify. S-A-N-C-T, I'll spell it right. Sanctify. And, and in this word sanctify, here's the picture that Jesus gives us. He wants us to know that you and I are set apart, we're made holy, we're put in a different lane because of what? Because of God's truth, because of your truth, Lord. Your word is truth, Jesus says. Do, do you see that, church? I, I want you to catch this. You and I being set apart for the Lord is done because of him and through him. It's through his word. God doesn't want you to find your own truth today. The Lord doesn't want you to find your truth because your truth, mine and your truth, is insufficient. It's man-made. It's not, it's not enough. It will let us down. It will cause lonely nights and tears down our eyes. But his truth is sufficient to sanctify us, to set us apart, to put us with him. Now, now, the second part of this I want you to know about is, is this. is not only are we sanctified, but the second part is this, that we're sent. That we're sanctified and we're sent. Read a little bit further with me in verse 18. The Bible says it this way. The word says, And you sent me into the world so that I have sent, and you have sent me into the world, and so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may be sanctified in the truth. See, what Jesus says is this, that the process begins with sanctification, and then it goes to, to sent. Jesus says, sanctify them in the truth, and then Send them as you sent me. And in the midst of this, I consecrate myself. This is not a, a deep, this is not difficult. 
Here's what I want you to know. The Bible is not saying you have to be absolutely flawless in every word, deed, or action before the Lord can send you. There's this process that we're going through of, of being sanctified, set apart, and being sent that the Lord is working on us in. We see this picture in the Old Testament. He calls out Abraham. He, he makes him set apart. He sanctifies him, and then he sends him to the promised land. But all along the way to the promised land, he's setting him apart, and he's sending him. He's setting him apart. He's sending him. He does the same thing with Joshua. He does the same thing with Moses. He sets Moses apart, and then he sends them all along the way. It's this process that the more the Lord sets him apart, the more that Moses embraces that, the more he is the hands and feet of the Lord. So you and I, it's the same way. So, so how do we know what the Lord wants for us? Well, Scripture is clear about it. We seek Him. We seek Him in His Word. His Word is truth. We seek Him in his, by His Spirit through prayer. We, we seek the Lord. So, you see, we're just responding to the action that God has on us, like a kite in the wind, like the dough to yeast. It's not difficult it's just completely letting go. And in that letting go, finding ourselves in complete responsiveness. Lord, you tell me to seek your word. So I'm going to be in it. And then I'm going to respond to You tell me to seek your face. So I'm going to be in it. And then I'm going to respond to it. God's not saying sit still like a, a log, a hump on a log. He's saying, respond back and forth, this sanctification and sending. And here's how important this process is. Here's how important it is that you and I, like a kite in the wind, like yeast and dough, respond to this. That Jesus gave us his seal on it. And in his life, he says, I consecrate them. I consecrate them. He's talking here about Calvary. He's talking here about him leaving heaven, about him abandoning his home for a season, him being sent out for the purpose of sanctifying us, setting us apart, making us holy, and sending us out. And it's so important to him, he says, I'm going to seal it with my life. You are that important to Jesus Christ. This process for you is that important to Jesus Christ that he has said, it's, it's not about you, it's about me, but you getting caught up in my relationship with the Father, fueling by my joy, being sanctified and sent, is so important that I'm going to seal it with myself. Here's the key. Your life, your experience in this process is dependent upon the goodness of God upon the faithfulness of God, not your own, upon His. And so in that, I want you to just receive that for a moment. That the Lord is saying, you being sanctified and you being sent is based upon His movement and you're responding to Him. I was listening to a song the other day and asked Omar and the band if they would share that with us. And so... I want you to listen to those words with me as they sing. If you know it, you can worship with them. But, but here's what I want you to receive. How is your experiencing this process of sanctification and holiness dependent upon His goodness?
never fails me All my days I've been held in your hands From the moment I wake up Until I lay my head I will see of the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so
Amen. Amen. Man. Now, with that still ringing, listen to these words. I do not ask for these alone, but for those who will believe in me through their word. You see, when Jesus was praying these things to the Father, you were on his heart. That, that you and I, because of his goodness, because of his faithfulness, that we would believe in his word. Listen to verse 21. It says that they may be all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I and in you. That they also may be in us, so the world may believe that you sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that the world may become perfect, that they, excuse me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. You see, our, our process has a purpose. You see, it, it's not difficult. What's going on, what you and I are experiencing is for the kingdom. So that the world may know the kingdom of God is real. They may, may see it this morning. I was on my, my morning walk and I was just praying for you. And I was, I was picturing parents putting their hands on their children just to open up service today. And I start weeping. I start, I start bawling. As I'm walking down the road and, and I'm just praying for you. I'm saying, Lord, tell me why I'm crying. And in that moment, listen, the Spirit just testifies to me because you are picturing the, the perfect that I have for you. You are, you are picturing what will be and what should be. When you and I are in heaven, there will be a oneness and a unity that is completely mind-boggling. And when I picture the grace of God and God lavishing us with that life, I think, Lord, that's what the world needs to see right now. Because I don't want my hand just on my children. I want to be surrounded by men and women from all over the world and every tribe, nation, and tongue. Because that's his purpose. That you and I in this process of being sanctified is not about how we look or where we live. It's so that the world may believe. He says it in verse 20. Let them know that the world may believe. He says it again in verse 21, 22, and 23. He repeats it three times. That the world may know. That the world may believe. That they may know that you sent me. That they may know that you love me. Church, the reason that you and I respond to the Lord in this way, in this time, in this process, is so that the world may see the goodness of God. Whether you are afraid, whether you are alone in your house, whether you are surrounded by chaos, the Lord is saying, I am setting you apart so that you may be sent, so the world may know, church, your neighbor is to be included in this prayer. Are you being your light to the, your children, your husband, your wife? This kingdom is to be so real that we live in this shadow land because of it.
And it is our oneness, our unity with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ that is the testimony to that today. Why are we here? Listen, we are here for the kingdom. But in the midst of that, God says, I want it to be a joyful process for you. Because you have a purpose that's bigger than yourself, that's bigger than the one you could have on your own. And I want you to know how deeply Jesus loves you today. In verse 24, he says, Father, I desire that they be, that they also whom you've given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And I know, and these know that you have sent me. I, I made known to them your name. I will continue to make it known. The love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Church, Jesus wants you to be where he is. He says that's the desire of his heart right here and right now. That he doesn't desire for you to be on the outside. If you, if you belong to Jesus Christ, his desire is for you. And in fact, it's so much so that, that he's putting it out there. He's praying for you. He's not only saying his desire to be with you, his desire not just one day, his desire is so great that he says in Scripture that he will continually make it known that the love which you have loved me may be in them. Jesus isn't stopping. The Lord isn't stopping his movement. He, he is still there for those who call upon his name, through those who believe in his name. He's still right there. In fact, he's active like the wind blowing around you. He's just as present today as he was 2,000 years ago. And, and the question is this. Will you respond? Today, listen, if you have not known Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to let you know that our Father, our God, our eternity is real. And, and he has sent out his word to you right here today. So that you may know that there is a joy-filled existence waiting for you now and for eternity. That is consecrated by Jesus Christ alone. His life, his death, and his resurrection. And so right here, right now, wherever you are, you can lift up a prayer to the Lord. Say, Father, would you consecrate me? Would you seal me and set me apart for you right now? I admit I can't do it on my own. And I believe that you can. You can give your life to him right now. You, you can be a part of, of his perfect process. If you're a believer in Christ Jesus and you're struggling with this right now, I want to let you know that God's plan is not been abandoned for you just because you have stopped responding to him and started doing your own thing. 
want you to know his plan is for you, still for you. All you have to do is, it's really easy, just let go. Lord, I trust you. Lord, sanctify me, set me apart, send me so that your kingdom can be evident to all those around me. Would you pray with me? Father God, today, Lord, I want to let you know that we desperately love you. Lord, Lord, I can see, I can see glimpses of your kingdom. They may be, they may be just corners or, or, or pieces of the puzzle, but, but Lord, they, they're so amazing to me. I don't want to ever lose sight of them. In fact, Lord, would you sanctify me more so that I could see them more and that I could tell more people about them, God? Would you let my tears be a testimony for you, God? Would you let my fingers be a testimony for you? Would you let my, my feet proclaim the good news, Lord? Would you let my mind think on things, Lord, that, that proclaim the goodness of your kingdom? Lord, would you let us be filled with your joy today? Would you let it be our process, our story? Would you bring life and hope to our children? stave off fear for those who are serving because of your goodness. Father God, as we get ready to, to leave this time, Lord, we, we send ourselves to you. We give you everything, whether it be tithes and offerings, whether it be our heart and our life, maybe all of it together, it's, it's yours. Lord, I pray right now that everyone watching you to remind them that they are not alone. If they belong to Christ, Lord, that they have a oneness that the world does not understand. And those who are watching, Lord, who don't have that oneness, I would, would pray, Lord, that you would let them know that you are running after them, that you're calling them to yourself today so that they can experience your goodness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.